All right, welcome back to Josh and Ethan Show. We haven't been here in almost a month. I'm going to pull my gain down a bit because it's looking like it's really spiking. But um, we're glad to be back. We had power outages here because we had like a tornado in Chicago, which is kind of weird. And we were both just really busy and schedules didn't fully line up. But we're back now. A ton of stuff has happened. And let's kind of start off with the first piece of news and probably the most important piece of news Kamala Harris has been selected as Joe Biden's VP. This happened about two weeks ago. Uh, Joshua, what are your initial thoughts on her as the VP? And what effect do you think this kind of has for Biden as a presidential nominee? So when so with Kamala Harris being his pick, I was kind of like, well, there's this wrong. And there, well, there's this wrong. And they're like, oh, well, there's these things. Because the big thing that people were having a problem with was that she was a cop in, I think, Atlanta, was it? No, she wasn't a cop. She was the prosecutor general in New York. And she put people away for, like, low-level weed violations and stuff. So it's kind of, like, anti-democratic agenda of more, like... Well, I guess Trump has done, like, lower prison time, too, for drugs and stuff. But it's just everyone's kind of moved away from harsher, like, imprisonment. So the fear was that, like, she was too right-wing almost, which I didn't really get. But, yeah. Right. So that's what I heard. But um, I don't know where to stand on this because I don't know. it. I, I think it's too early to tell whether or not I, you know, like what she stands for and like what she does. Um, but for Joe Biden, I think it's safe to say that, you know, Kamala Harris will do a lot of the heavy lifting, seeing as he can barely remember what he did yesterday. Um. So I don't really know what that means for the country, but for Joe Biden, that means like, well, I'm going I'm to let Kamala do a lot of this stuff because yeah. he's, like, he's just not there right now. I don't see him finishing out his first term. I'll say it now. I don't want to say like he'll die in office, but I think he might just retire out of office after a year or two. So one, I kind of don't like the idea of like if this is something that happens where he doesn't finish his first term, the first woman president kind of being like a handout, like oh, yeah, I'm an old guy, I got nominated, but I got one VP, so when I'm on my way out, we'll still have a woman president, yay us. Like, I'd like to have someone elected to be that type for the first woman president, and I truly believe that will happen, like, several times in our lifetime. So I don't like that just, like, from a symbolic level, but more from a policy standpoint, well, kind of two things. One, I don't like her policy. I find her too far left. She's endorsed Medicare for All, and I don't like that. She's endorsed the Green New Deal. I like parts of the Green New Deal, but like it basically wants no more nuclear power, which is kind of stupid because nuclear power is basically backed by scientists to be our best way towards renewable energy future. So I, right. on a, a policy standpoint, I'm not a big fan. But what bugs me is, and there's this clip of one of the Democratic primary debates of Tulsi Gabbard just destroying her. It's like, like I mentioned earlier and you were talking about, she put people in jail for low-level weed offenses and she laughed when she was asked about, like she had her creepy hyena laugh. She asked about people asking her if she had smoked weed before. And it's just, she called Biden a racist about the busing, like that he was friends with segregationists. So I just don't find her to be a good person. And I think what's worrisome about this is this Joe Biden campaign is Trump is not a good person. He's very mean, very bad. We don't like him. Here's Joe Biden. Joe Biden's a very nice person. I mean, 
He may have some issues with women, but overall, he comes off as a very nice person. And if you had taken a VP that he was more comfortable with, like Susan Rice, or just one who's very moderate and also very nice, like a Klobuchar, you don't have this issue. But you come off with Kamala Harris, who doesn't come off as a nice person. I think that kind of hurts the message of the campaign is like, this is a nice campaign. If you want someone to be nice who's going to be president and vice president, you should vote for us because Trump and Pence are very mean. And his his pick was really out of left field because him and Kamala Harris had had disputes in the past, and I like out of all people, I like she was probably one of the last people who thought he was going to pick. Well, I'm not sure if he picked it, but yeah, his aides or whoever made that selection kind of messed that up. I think and it's just like she was asked about, and I think this goes to her being not a good person. It's like. She was. I'm not saying she's a bad person by of as Trump, by the way, or, or whatever. I'm just saying I don't find her to be a good, virtuous person that should be behind the message of this is the nice campaign. Vote for Biden if you want someone nice in the White House. But she was asked about like when she was saying Joe Biden was friends with the segregationists and forced blessing. Like I was that little girl. And she's like, oh, that was a debate. <laughs> like she did her. So it's just I. Also, if what we talk about the implications of just getting Trump out of office, she's supported a full ban fracking, which I'm fine with. I'm not a big fan of fracking, and I always want to phase out of it. But Pennsylvania is a swing state, and Biden probably needs to win Pennsylvania, and he's leading in Pennsylvania right now. But when you get on these debates, and you have Trump and Biden, and Trump isn't very coherent, but he is a pretty good debater where he can tear people down. He's not great pulling himself up, but he can definitely tear people down. If you don't have yeah. Biden there to the, th- like Biden, Kamala Harris can kind of defend herself. I feel because like she can talk. Biden's kind of out of it. So like he'll has his he'll have his pre planned attacks for Trump, but I don't know if Trump says like people of Pennsylvania, your economy relies on fracking. But uh, Harris is Joe Biden's VP. She wants to ban fracking. Look at how old Joe is. Kamala is probably running the show. She's going to ban fracking. Well, that dude, you guys, like, he can say that. I, I don't know if Biden's going to be able to properly defend that and say, no, no, Kamala wants to defend out of fracking. Oh, what was that? Sorry, that was my phone. I got notification. Okay. But, um, so I do not think it's a good pick. I would have gone with someone from, like, an Obama era person like Susan Rice. Because even though I'm not a big Obama fan, I understand why lots of people are big Obama fans. And I think that would help. Of course, you kind of already checked that box from Biden. Or just someone very moderate and unassuming like Klobuchar, where it's like, oh, it's Amy Klobuchar. Everyone's chill with Amy Klobuchar. I understand why lots of people like Kamala Harris. I just find her to be very dishonest. All right. Um, do we want to go into wrestling, or do we just want to do a quick covering of the conventions? Um, I mean, what's there really to say about the conventions um i'll say in general they're propaganda basically yeah I, like of course you have to like make it official like these guys are the nominees and stuff but the idea that you can get for like an hour of prime time i think trump did like half an hour of overrun on his speech on the final night too it's like where you don't have to answer any hard questions and you just get to speak like every president has uh, some good statistics they can stu- they can like say Every challenger has some good statistics they can say, either about their past record or against the current president. But the idea that you can just have these four hours of Trump citing all his good statistics about the economy, 
And then four hours a week before, Biden's citing all the bad statistics about COVID. Like, you can do that, but it's unopposed. There's no nuance because it. I don't like the conventions. I think they're pure propaganda because it's just no one has to answer any hard questions. I don't get a feel for Trump as a real person. I don't get a feel for Biden as a real person because they're both on heavily practiced speeches, probably on the teleprompter, and they're not answering any questions. Yeah. It's just like... This this whole campaign, I, I wouldn't say it doesn't really matter, but it's just kind of like just so many people just want Trump out of office, and everyone's just going to vote for Biden because they don't want Trump anymore. Yeah. And I think, like, this election, like, I haven't done, I haven't looked at, you know, into detail, like, a lot of the stuff because it's just like, I, I already know who's winning, and I think a lot of people already know who's winning. It's obviously going to be Biden. And the only, like, the really only thing that's important, or the big, the most important thing for me was was all the stuff about, uh, you know, the potential candidates for vice president because I knew they were going to be doing all the heavy lifting. So this, this election is just, it's a mess. I, I cannot wait. I cannot wait until uh, Biden and Trump just have their discussions and their debate and they just start talking to each other like it's just going to be a bunch of old men just visible like visually audibly you can hear them and see them losing their minds yeah I cannot wait. yeah i have to say i'm real hip for the debates and i think those are can be great tv no matter whose side you're on because both of them are just going to be stumbling all around the stage and like you know though because like the people you have, you know Biden's going to get, like, a couple really memorable gaffes in. And you know Trump's going to get one final line, like, because you'd be in jail or something. But the rest of it's just going to be them, like, mumbling and, like, incoherently. Because neither of them are really good at speaking English. So, it's... I want to say, though, because you are saying before, like, everyone wants Trump out. Like, I already know who's going to win. I was in that same boat with you about a month ago. But I think this Kamala pick does give an opening. Because the whole Biden campaign is like, it's just nice old Joe. We all know Joe. He's good. But if you look at it, it's not convincing us. Because one, we're not 18 yet. But two, we live in a state that's going to go blue no matter what. There are people, like, Biden's not going to turn any Trump voters into Biden voters. Like, it's really an election. I saw this quote from one of the guys on, like, the RNC coverage. It's not an election of 300 million people in 50 states. It's an election of 300,000 people in eight states because there's eight swing states and there's these 300,000 voters inside of those. So even though it seems like to the general public, you got a good like 50 to 60% that are all anti-Trump. If he's able to do a, I don't want to say like good, but decent job of holding his hair in these debates and seeing more alive than Biden. And if he can do the things like, I think Trump might win Pennsylvania now. I still think he's probably going to lose the election. But because of that Kamala pick, now that gives Trump a huge opening in Pennsylvania. So I just think Biden has to still hold it together because these little things really give Trump a big opening. And also, I feel like a lot more people this election are going to vote than last election because, like, I like they're really, really promoting. Like, people are really promoting to like register to vote, register to vote. I'm seeing like almost every day like an advertisement or promotion to register to vote. Yeah. So, because last election, 
I think a big reason why Trump did win is because a lot of people didn't vote because they didn't know who to vote for because they didn't like Hillary, they didn't like Trump. Yeah. So this election, I feel like a lot more people are going to end up voting. Yeah, and I think that will definitely help Biden. So if I had to, like, bet money on it, right now I'd lean Biden, but I think the debates and the Commonwealth pick do give Trump an opening, and I honestly don't care who is president too badly. I'm a federalist. I think we have also good checks and balances in production. So, like, well, I wouldn't want a Bernie Sanders to be president. I don't think he's going to pass Medicare for all. I think we're just more giving a voice to that platform. And, like, well, I don't need or necessarily want four more years of Trump as president. Like, he's not going to do anything major. And the things that are, like, within his realm, like renegotiating trade deals, honestly aren't that bad. The real issues with Trump are more his personality and the attacks on the mail and stuff like that. So, and he's getting some stuff done against the mail, but you can talk about this because I know your dad works for the USPS. But I don't know if he's going to effectively be able to really hurt the mail service in any way, but I want you to kind of talk about that now because I know you know much more about it than me. So what the original thing was, there was a new... Uh, Trump assigned a new postmaster general, which basically is the person who is in charge of the post office and all the mail. So what he was originally doing was he was having a lot of... Uh, he was saying all these all these post offices under USPS... You're not allowed to work overtime during the pandemic, which was really, really harming, uh, you know, po- a lot of post offices because uh, USP- the USPS, there's not a lot of employees. Is there, there's a lot less employees now than there were, say, like 10 years ago. So a lot of a lot of post offices are understaffed and they thrive because of overtime. Now, because all these people aren't doing overtime. There's so much mail that's not getting out to people. So that will definitely play a big part of, of you know, um, voting by mail. That's I think that's going to delay a lot of votes. Um, and then what he started doing was he was he started removing uh, mailboxes. Like in New York, that, like they removed, I want to say, uh, it's probably a wrong number I'm guessing here. I think it was like 30,000 mailboxes that they removed. So there, I, I think Trump is trying to slowly eliminate mail entirely. Yeah, and I think that probably stems from, like, in a very Trumpian fashion, I guess you could say, like, there's mail-in voting, and there's, like, yeah, there's probably going to be a touch of fraud with mail-in voting, and, like, you've seen where it swung, like, some state elections, but I don't know if on a national level it's going to be able to swing that much. But then he's able to spin into like, oh, I can get this narrative of the election doesn't count. It's kind of like the same thing that you had with Hillary. And this is kind of sad that you have both parties against now. It's kind of the same thing you have Hillary of like, oh, well, there's Russia and I want to pop over. So it's like he's found his loophole to be like, oh, well, it was voting by vi- voting by mail and... That's how I lost the election. So he kind of has a way to contest if he loses. Now he has an opening to win if he's able to get rid of enough of these post offices in blue states. Of course, I don't think... I think New York is so overwhelmingly blue that that won't matter. But if he were to get to swing states and, like, look at blue districts and remove post... Like, there's ways that he could affect the election. I just don't know on what level that's going to play out either way, whether it's ballot harvesting by Democrats or Trump removing post offices 
or um, post boxes so normal people can't vote. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to look up here uh, how many mailboxes were removed this year. Um, and I'll note, like, probably a couple of those are just because mailboxes get cycled around over time, but 30,000 is a complete abnormality, right? Yeah. Because I had some reading, like, certain areas of the post office run out of loss, so they shift around mailboxes and stuff because they run at a flat rate because it's a national service. So, like, you'll probably see a few move around, but 30,000 is way more than you would ever usually see. Yeah. So, it looks like they stopped removing mailboxes as of August 14th. Because it says they removed mailboxes in Philadelphia, New York, Oregon, and several other states. Okay. Oh, I actually just got right. I don't know if this is formal balloting or if it's permanent, but... Right on my block, we just got a USPS box installed. So I know it's kind of pr- counterproductive to what we're saying in the stats, but um, I guess that's a good thing for us because there's nothing on, um, I won't say where, but in case we ever get famous, but um, in my neighborhood there was, it's going to explain to you, there's one side has a mailbox and that's like the only mailbox in the neighborhood, and we're almost on the opposite end of that, so we just got on our block, which is nice, but um. Yeah. Yeah, so hopefully SPS can function. I want this to be a good election. Um, I don't want there to be ballot harvesting, but I also don't want there to not be able people to vote by mail. It's a tricky thing. Um, one other thing before we get into wrestling, we should talk about this Jacob Blake shooting. Um, yeah. We don't have all the facts yet, but from what we have, um, I'll let you go ahead first, and then I'll go. I actually don't know a lot about the shooting. I only know about uh, the Kenosha riots. Okay, so what I've been told is... or Sorry, not what I've been told. What From the fact patterns I've seen, the police call is someone calling about how Jacob Blake was stealing keys, and then there was a cell phone video of someone filming the shooting that said that there was something about him breaking up a fight between two women. But anyway, the cops were called. They come in. They try to tase him. Everyone goes for a taser. He just kind of shrugs it off. He's going into the car. He has three kids in the back of the car. He's reaching into the car with his back turned to them. They shoot him seven times. A knife was found on the floorboard of the car. So we don't know if he was going for the knife. But my take on it is I don't think this is as bad as George Floyd or Breonna Taylor. I don't know if this is a riot over because, yes, it was wrong. He was shot seven times. But he had a criminal background of sexual assault of minors. So they have no way of knowing if those kids in the car are his. There was an open warrant for his arrest, so he should have been cooperating with the police. And going for a knife, it's like, yes, he might not be going for the knife, but there was a knife there. And if you're the police, you can't just let him stab you. So I think it's wrong that he was shot seven times. And there should probably be an investigation into that about why would you shoot him seven times, not once or twice. I definitely think that I don't want to say it was like a good shoot. But I don't think this is something that's necessarily worth riding over immediately, given that the guy wasn't, like, completely innocent and just killed with no regard, more like a Brianna Taylor or George Floyd. Right, because, like, the whole people reason why people are rioting, and, you know, especially in Kenosha, which I think we could, I mean, I guess we could talk about that a little bit, but the whole reason why people are protesting because of this is because, like, 
it's the whole BLM, Black Lives Matter, police brutality, anti, you know, defund the police, ACAB, where it's like, oh, he was wrongfully shot. Oh, he was, he was like, he didn't deserve what he got. He didn't necessarily deserve what he got, but he wasn't an innocent person. Yeah, he, I, I definitely, that's the best way of saying it. It's like, criminal background, shouldn't have been shot seven times, but also had weapon in vehicle and was not cooperating with police. So, and I so, think the big issue of, sorry, go ahead. So, so, like, so I guess just to sum it up, it's just like, he didn't necessarily deserve as much as he got, but he did, yeah. he did deserve to be, you know, punished or, you know, arrested, something. Yeah. I think the best way to say it is, it's not a good shoot, but it is a legal and justifiable shoot would be how I would say it. Like, it's not good that he got shot. He shouldn't have been shot seven times. But under the wear of the law, and if you want to change the law, go ahead and try. But according, like, the officer should probably not be fired or prosecuted for this. And I think it will be very hard to do that even if people try. And I think the issue is, like, I like the BLM movement of let's restructure the police. Let's work out this police brutality. There's clearly some racist cops. There's also some bad cops. And let's work that out. I really like that movement. But I feel like it's a mix of people taking advantage to loot. And then the people at the top have said that, like, they're trained Marxists and stuff. Where this is kind of what the movement to resolve into. Every time a black guy is shot by police, it has to be unjustified. It has to be a riot. And the issue of that is we're going to have these, like, cases of great injustice like George Floyd and Breonna Taylor. But if we just have a guy who's not cooperating with police and has a weapon that he might be going for and the police shoot him to protect themselves it's like that can't be something we riot over because then no one's ever going to be safe and these riots are never going to stop because there's enough cops and there's enough people that are criminals that you're probably going to get a black guy shot every once in a while and it's kind of tough because like BLM, I think, like you said, a lot of people are taking advantage of it and using it to, like, loot. And it's just really sad how all these businesses and, you know, independent business owners, owners, they're getting punished because people are deciding to, oh, well, this guy got shot. Let me trash this innocent guy's business. It's like... People are are getting punished for things that they don't deserve, and they're not even a part of. Yeah. Like I saw video. I saw videos of people at restaurants that were getting basically bullied into looting. Like they were yeah. like, they were just eating, enjoying their meals, and BLM people came up to them, and were like, "Oh, why aren't you raising your fist?" Or, "Oh, why aren't you looting with us?" It's like, come on, like. Yeah, and I totally. There's a lot of people that aren't that just don't care using his cover, but what you can see from like. The symbols people are wearing, the way they're acting in these videos. There are some people that are involved actively in this BLM organization that are going for that. I'm not saying that's a reason not to support the organization, that the organization itself is completely bad. It's just some of the weirs have openly said, we are Marxists. We want to destroy the Western Star nuclear family. Like, we don't want family structure. We don't want any police at all. It's like, Yes, restructure the police. Yes, defund the police partially. Do whatever. But, like, the idea of abolishing the police, abolishing families, going to Marxism, It's that's not a sustainable thing that we can do. And I don't like it when we have this thing that we should be unified around, like, 
uh, yeah, let's prosecute Derek Chauvin, send him to jail, because he's a pretty bad cop, and either caused or contributed to the death of a guy that was, like, mostly innocent, and even the crime he was committing was, like, a low-level offense you basically don't even go to jail for. You, like, maybe get an hour of community service. Like, I don't even know what the sentencing is for a counterfeit $20 bill. It's nothing much. So we should be unified around this, but that turns into either you're in with the wooting or you're against us. It's like, I can be against wooting, and I can also be against Derek Chauvin. So, I don't know. It's it's tough, but um, one thing I think we should mention is there was a 17-year-old gunman from Illinois, some suburb, who... He drove up to Kenosha and shot people. So there's conflicting things. I've seen a New York Times piece that tracked him from different cell phone video and stuff that shows that... And this is actually interesting because this is a bit more of a right-wing defense, but this is from the New York Times, which is generally pretty left-leaning. And they talked about he had... He was initially, like, outside... I think it was a furniture store or gas station just with a long gun, just kind of, like, defending and keep wars away. And he was saying he was a trained EMT and, like, helped some BLM people... Then the video, the most, the next video in the progression that New York Times showed was him being chased around by some people. We don't know if he started, if they started it. Then he shot one of the people in the head, said, I've just killed someone, walked up to the police. And we don't know if he was saying, like, I'm innocent holding up his hands or if he was trying to surrender. So it's really conflicting. We just need to wait for information. And then, and then the, the people that, you know, he had shot, I think he killed both those people. He killed two, injured one, yeah. So it, yeah. it doesn't look good for him. There's some conflicting things on if it was self-defense or not, but there, almost certainly there's going to be a thing against him and his parents for not locking up the gun properly. Like, a 17-year-old shouldn't be able to just grab your gun and go. Like, the gun should be in safe. Like, you, 17-year-olds can know how to shoot. That's fine, like, if that's something you want to do in your family. But the gun should be locked up so 17-year-old can't go grab the gun. So there's definitely a thing about taking guns away from him and his family. And I'm someone who likes people having guns, but they should probably take that away in court and maybe even some murder or homicide charges against him. So we'll have to wait and see, kind of like the Jacob Blake thing was a few days ago, but it definitely looks like he was probably in the wrong there. Yeah. And I just want to say, like, all those people who are like, ACAB, all cops are bad. Like, what, like, I, I hate, I hate with a burning passion when people say all cops are bad. Yeah. Because what, that, saying that is like, no different from, you know, someone saying, well, all black people are bad. Yeah. No, they're not. <laughs> There's so a like, very, very small see, percentage. You Like, you see these cops, like, on the news, oh, they're doing this, they're doing that. Yeah, those are bad cops. But that doesn't make every person who's ever been a cop or is a cop or will be a cop a bad person. And also, let me say, if you're... We watch the news, and when the police kill or hurt someone in unjust way... And even now, sometimes in just to semi-just ways with things like Jacob Blake, it is a national news story. Do you think if it was a common occurrence of cops just randomly like, oh, I'm going to go unfairly treat a black guy today and kill him. Do you think that if that was a common occurrence, it'd be a national news story? No. George Floyd is a national news story because what happened to him is a tragedy and should never happen again. Almost everyone outside of, like, a couple of KKK members out in Indiana and Kentucky realize that. And it's also a very rare occurrence. So it's like we have to jump on this show Next Generation. 
don't like just randomly hear about this and think it's normal. This is a big deal because this is not normal and it's not okay. It's a big deal because it doesn't happen often. If it happened all the time, if we had like a couple thousand George Floyds, we wouldn't know George Floyd's name because it wouldn't be a news story. If all cops were bad, this would not be a real story. Yeah. It's just it's just really unfortunate how we're living in 2020 and people are still being oppressed the way they are. Yeah. So, oh, and sorry. I feel like I should add so I could call the racist or stuff like that's not me saying that it's a like that people aren't being oppressed. Of course that's still happy. I'm just saying it's on a rare enough level that that's why it's these um like national stories, you know? So it's like we shouldn't people act are, people are being oppressed all the time, but Yeah. but you're just saying like on a large scale. Yes, on a large scale. Of course, like there are as a white person I have it easier than you to an extent, and you probably have it easier than the average black person to an extent. But that doesn't yeah. mean that it's on the whole level of I can walk by a cop and, like, I don't know any cops that, like, just smile at me or something like that. You know, like, I know some cops personally, like, that are, like, parents of friends and stuff like that. But, like, I can't just go up to a random cop and smile because that's not something you do, you know? But, like, I can see him and I'm completely safe. And you can see them, and maybe they give you a bit of a look. And the black person sees them, and they just pull out guns on them immediately. You know, it's not that bad. There's these issues that happen, and they seem to disproportionately happen to black people, and we need to fix that. But it's not like every black person should have to feel like they should be in constant fear or is, in reality, in constant fear. There is definitely a fear of, I could be that little 0.01% or whatever, and that's what we need to work to stamp out. We shouldn't be of the mindset of, we have to stamp out all cops. It should be, no, we have to make sure that even these little cops can't slip through the cracks because we don't want A1 Teft to live in a tiny bit of fear. Right. All right. Um, let's talk about some fun stuff that's happy now. Um, all right. Um, I actually, if you want to talk about that garbage, you can. But um, I first want to talk about the exalted one, Brody Lee. Oh, my God. So, they're doing this Cody match. I'm like, I wish Brody Lee would win, but Cody's going to win. Cody's kissing his bicep. He has a stupid neck tattoo. He's the prince of pro wrestling and all that stuff, pal. And then Brody, like, they're going back and forth, and Brody's killing him. And I'm like, oh, there's no way Brody's win this match. He's just killing him and killing him. Cody's going to have a big comeback. Cody's hit him with a crossroads and beat him. And then Brody gives him, like, a powerbomb or something. And I'm like, you know what? Brody Lee just beat him right here. Make it a squash. I know I want Jungle Boy to win this title, but that's okay because Brody Lee has been the greatest on BTE. He deserves this push. And then Brody Lee hits him with his clothes with his discus clothesline thing. And I'm like, ah, uh, I was wrong. Cody's just gonna kick out here. It's gonna be like a big deal. And then I, you know how sometimes like you just won't hear the one count, then you'll just hear two free and think that like the free was the two count, and you'll be kind of surprised. Yeah. So that happens to me a lot. So I hear, and I'm like, one, two, and I hear the bell ring. I'm like, what? Yes! And I freak out. And I'm like, Brody, we won! So I was so happy. It was a total squash. They killed the entire Nightmare family. AJ chokes out Brandy, kind of like cementing her. And then the next week, like, they're continuing, like, Silver missed the high five with Brody. Brody, we laid out John Silver. They're saying stuff. So it's just, Brody, we is the greatest. The Dark Order is like, 
honestly my I favorite love, faction right now. Even more I than the Air Circle. Love, I love Brody Lee on BTE. I love Brody Lee on BTE. <laughs> he is the best part of BTE. It is so funny. <laughs> I honestly... And then, and then like, w- w- with what's his name? Uh, Evil Uno buying, buying the six lawnmowers. <laughs> yeah, it's the best ad ever. Oh my god. Yeah, I have to say though, um I just we'll probably win next week. I like the slow cult heel turn. How Brody kind of like Angie is Brody Wee's favorite. Darren County might join the Dark Order. Like Angie and Colt are Brody Wee's favorites, but Brody always has Colt like Angie take Colt away whenever he has really evil stuff. So like Colt won't see that they're heels, and he'll slowly, naturally turn heel. So I think the whole thing's expertly crafted. I'm a bit worried that Cody's just going to come back in a couple months and then just beat Brody and take the title back. But I would actually have him turn heel off of this loss. Like, have him lose a few more times at Dark Order, and then have him be like, you know what? This bay facing isn't working out. Turn heel, except the Four Horsemen. And we should talk about FTR. So Hangman, like, stopped the Bucks from winning a match. FTR, number one contenders. So... This, to me, means that we're going to have a moment at All Out, given there's 10% fans again, which is awesome, by the way, where somehow in the match, or maybe even later, but hopefully at All Out, Hangman and Kenny each have an opportunity to turn heel. Hangman's is up first, and like I don't know how they book this, but they each have an opportunity to turn heel, basically. Hangman has the opportunity to turn heel. He's really thinking about it, but then he decides not to turn heel. He starts fighting FTR. Then they still lose or whatever. But after the match, Kenny has the opportunity to turn heel and lay out Hangman, and he takes it. So it's kind of like Hangman and Kenny were both kind of going down this path. Kenny with his ground and pounds. Hangman of like cheating the Bucks out of matches and stuff. But Hangman, because he's like the true babyface, took the high road. But that evil heel Kenny Omega wouldn't do that. And then you can set up a Hangman-Kenny feud. Yeah, and I think it was interesting if you uh, if you saw this week where... The Bucks were about to win because they're going to do the Meltzer driver, and then Hangman pulls. I think it was Nick Jackson from off the apron, and they kicked him out the Elite later on. So I think I think it's really interesting how they're they're building or how they're building up to this whole Kenny Hangman thing. Yeah, cause I'm hoping I'm hoping they lose the tag titles at all out to FTR, and then just go like Kenny just like goes straight into the cleaner, and he just goes right into a a feud with Hangman. Yeah, it's I'm just insured Kenny Omega basically, because he kind of did that bit on BCE a couple months ago, and I loved it. I still say like he's gonna go like I'm just insured like he that when he first held the cleaner. Well, Glasses on BT like 11 months ago. He's going to have to do that at some point for like his heel character. But it's kind of like this sick Kenny Omega who's like all messed up. But um, anyway, so just about that. Yeah, I think FTR are set up as great heels for the Bucks to chase too. Because it's like they systematically destroyed this entire division basically. And then you always have problem powerful wooming if the Bucks beat FTR after like three matches or whatever. They come out on top. Because... Prime Powerful has been the Bucks. That puts Prime Powerful back in, like, the top position. So, I think it's great. I think it is a bit tough, like, after you do free FTR Bucks matches, where do you go? But I trust Tony Khan. I'm sure he can figure it out. 
But yeah, I'm just really adamant that because they're trying to make it seem like Hangman's certainly turning heel and Kane's like maybe turning heel. I'm just really adamant that Hangman is the face in that feud. Yeah. Because I haven't seen Hangman in singles competition in a while. I miss that. Because Hangman, he's he's really agile for his size. Oh, yeah. Like, and I, super good. I just want to say, like, Hangman and Kenny are, like, my favorite tag team of all time. And they are not even, like, a long-term tag team. But I think Hangman, like, he's 27, I think. Like, he's one of these younger guys that's like, all right, um... Kenny's not, like, old, but if you want to do a feud, you have Kenny win the first match and Hangman beat him two in a row. Then Hangman, because they've kind of built up Hangman Brody Lee on the side. Then, like, Hangman go for the TNT title of Brody if Brody still has it then. Like, you have a way to do, like, Hangman beats Kenny. Like, best you referee. Hangman beats Brody. Hangman's TNT champion. Like, you can really set Hangman for huge things. And it's okay because Kenny still won the first match in the feud. He's kind of close to Hang like... He, he's still on that level of Hangman there. And he is still going to be like a top guy. So we can just go into other heel stuff as a heel. Like they could do him as a heel against Moxley as a face. Oh, we should say um, Moxley MJF. Who are you rooting for? I I know Moxley will probably win. But I'm fingers crossed that MJF wins. Because he's just a genius. I didn't want him so bad to have the world title. Yeah. When when I watched John Moxley, and he was on Wrestling Observer Radio, which is awesome, I see this guy, and I'm like, this is the guy. How would Vince miss it? This is the guy. Then I watch MJF, and I'm like, is MJF as good as Moxley right now? No. Will he one day be? Certainly. Will he one day be better? There's a good shot. And not that Moxley's old again. He's still like in his 30s. But MGF is like 23 or 24. MGF is really young. So if you want to build a long-term star that can carry this company for 15, 20, 25 years, you better tell on a 24-year-old guy because then you ask for so long. You have an unfeated champion. When like They've had all these matches. Like Jungle Boy's won a tag match over him and stuff. But when Jungle Boy finally beats MGF, it could be for the world title after like a two-year reign. Like MGF as undefeated champion is money. And I, I almost certain that Moxley's winning. But I've always wanted Roscoe Bumps to be like, MGF has to be the one to beat Moxley. I didn't know they were going to get to this soon. That's why I think that Moxley's probably winning. But I feel like MJF is the right guy to pull the trigger on. Because yeah. they're, they're definitely, definitely not done with Moxley whatsoever. There's still so much they got to do with Mox. Oh, no. you Yeah, you could do him and Kenny like with him as a face and Kenny as a heel. Yeah, but, which is why I agree, I think they should have held this feud off for a while, because, like you said, MJF is really the only person I could think of to pull the trigger on on this, like, he's the only guy I can see beating Mox, and I think it's just way too, way too soon, Yeah, because it... doing, doing this feud again later on down the line... You gotta like it's gonna be hard to do again. Yeah, it loses heat. At least for the match where MJF will be winning, if they want to get out route, it loses heat because MJF won't be undefeated, and Moxley probably still will be. And Moxley's won lost tag matches and stuff, 
But he hasn't lost a singles match. He's never been pinned or submitted. So you kind of have both of that, like both of those things with MJF. Like MJF lost four-way. He wasn't pinned. He's lost tag match. He hasn't been pinned. So you kind of have these two guys that are really set up like on that level. I mean, this feels like the right time to pull trigger on MJF, especially banning the paradigm shift. It's like you should be able to do MJF. Warlow takes a ref. MJF hits him with the ring. Gives him a low blow, hits the paradigm shift, ref turns around, pins him like off the paradigm shift. You know what I mean? Like even though it's banned. So I feel like there's lots of good ways to do it where you still protect Moxley. We also make MGF a huge star because you show how smart he is and how much punishment he can take from Moxley while still putting over a couple of his offensive moves for near falls. So I feel like I trust Tony Khan. He hasn't let me down yet. But this one I really feel because of the timing where a couple months ago I was like, oh yeah, Moxley's totally win or MGF is totally winning. Would this be moved up the timetable a bit? Because like they're so happy to have fans back, they kind of want official storylines quickly. It's like I still think they should pull trigger on MJF, but I'm a bit less certain of it because of the time. Yeah. So then the question is, if if uh, Moxley doesn't lose to MJF at all out, like. Because they probably won't do MGF mocks again later on down the line. Who would be the person to take the title away from Moxley? I don't know. It might be down the like you could always do a Brian Cage on the line if the build is right. You could always you you even even though Brody's older, you could do a Brody Lee if the time is right. You do Kenny, like you do Hangman, you do John Boy. There's so many people. Just if the build is right, it's just right now. I think the build feels right for MGF. And also, like my dad said this to me. MJF could lose the first one, but they could do it in a way where there's a second one, then MJF beats him for the title in a rematch. Like, they That's could true. they could do that. I would just have him beat him the first time, so it's like, you don't kill both of the guys being undefeated. I would, like, try to keep one undefeated coming out of this match, and then just kind of just feud in general. But I really hope they just pull trigger on MJF. And Mox can be champion again. Like, I want Jericho to be champion again one day, just so Sammy can turn on him, and Sammy can win the title from Jericho. But, I don't know. I I think the time's right. Yeah. And speaking of Jericho, I think they could have just finished it at match two with Cassidy and, and Jericho. I don't think they need a, a trilogy. Well, I think they're doing a trilogy to prove that Orange is going to be better than him. Cause Mike Ty- and this is a good way to set Mike Tyson by throwing him in the vat of Mimosa. Which is like, what I think they're going to do. So, yeah, I think this second one was a bit clumsy, too, because it was live and they had to go off the air so quickly, so the finish looked bad. But, um, I don't know, the first one was really good, and I trust Jericho. Like, the Steam Stampede was great, so I'm willing to give it a shot. But, uh, I want to talk about WWE a little bit. Ugh. All right, pal. Yeah, I, know. I know. Um... <laughs> First, we'll talk about Thunder, the Thunderdome. Um, I think it's interesting. It's a little weird right now because you see all the faces, but it's not like real. Like they're they don't have reactions. Yeah. Well, they have like facial reactions, but not audible ones. It's like uh like what they did for the Orton Edge match at WrestleMania, where they added like the crowd effects. That's what they're doing. 
and it's just like a generic crowd like background crowd effect so when there's like a big move it's just like random chatter in the background it's kind of awkward yeah but it definitely definitely adds to the atmosphere it feels a lot more authentic than it did with the pc people because it was just all like oh yay yay the face and boo the heel and like oh what's what's going on and it was it just felt it felt scripted well the thing about the thunderdome is i hate to burst your bubble reports come out do people in the thunderdome actually have a person that tells them how to react and when to react and i have to say the thunderdome's great it has helped rings for the first week i hope it holds that way for WWE's sake Actually, I don't because I want AEW to buy WWE one day, so I want WWE's ranks to tank so they can't get a good TV deal. But it's all well and good, especially when people are holding up Fire Velveteen Dream signs. But it's kind of bad when you have, like, the fact that people can hold up signs of people's being people being executed. They can hold up videos of that on their Thunderdome screen in the front row, and people can hold up photos of Chris Benoit on the yeah. front row of their screen. So there's definitely some issues, and I don't know why they couldn't just tape it and air it an hour later. Because like, who cares if spoilers get out in like the hour before? Like, just so you can edit that stuff out. So I don't know, but overall, I think it's a welcome improvement. The big arena, generally, and the lasers just make it feel better. Um, let's talk about this. Roman's back. They just dropped the whole Alexa Bliss thing. Roman's probably going to die of COVID because he's a leukemia survivor. This is stupid. Um, Roman's teeth. Do you, like, do you see his teeth? I haven't seen his teeth, no. <laughs> Look up Roman Reigns' teeth. <laughs> they are... It's really obnoxious. Everyone, you're going to get a live reaction on the air here. We're looking at Roman Reigns' teeth, okay? Typing of one hand here because I'm holding a mic. Really, really obnoxious. There's teeth. But do you see, like, compared to how they were before? Oh. He had, like, normal tiny teeth, and now they're giant teeth with big gaps between them. Exactly. Randy Orton posted, I think, twice now about Roman's teeth (laughs) on Instagram, and it's great. Wait. Alright, I hate Randy Orton, but I'm sure it's actually good. Wait, so... Roman Reigns got teeth implants? I guess... Oh, he got, hold on. Wait, did he get his teeth torn out and get fresh teeth in? Maybe. That's, like, a lot of celebrities do that. Jeez. Um, so, this is interesting. On... Oh, today's Great Collie's birthday. Sorry, that was sidetracked. But, I'm seeing here... Paul Heyman might be managing Roman Reigns, uh, which is interesting. Wait, so is Roman leading Retribution? I'm so confused. See, I don't know, because I it seems like it, it's a possibility. Do you think Vince even knows, though? I don't know. I don't think they really have a plan for Retribution. Vince, Vince tears up Vince the show. Just like, ah, oh, we need something new for ratings. Yeah. Uh, retribution. Ah. Uh. Ah, oh, so good, pal. That Retribution. Everyone's here for the mystery. Ah. Uh. Oh, they're going to throw Molly. They're going to flicker the lights off and on. Ah, oh, so scary. Ah. Uh. Oh, the mics aren't working, pal. Don't you get it? So scary. They're shaking their boots. Ah. Uh. 
<laughs> All right. Um, no, but the yeah, the issue with sorry for people that might have been a bit loud. Um, I he's tearing up the shows before every show. So even if they write a good show, it can't be good because then they're writing a show like Nitro did, like in the middle of the show. So apparently Raw from like a week ago, like he tore it up like an hour before the show, and they were still. There was this, there was this past Raw. Oh really? This one, and they were yeah. still writing it like they had aired an hour and a half of like the tape stuff, and they were writing the rest of it as it was live. It's like you that this is how Nitro died. You can't do this, but he's crazy. But um. If I want to talk about NXT, NXT. Yeah, all right, NXT 2018. Well, really 2015 to 2019 because yeah. AEW's announced. I was like, one, I'm kind of out on this. I'm in for AEW now, and two, I was like, when I found NXT is gonna be counter programming, go up to two hours. I was like, this isn't my NXT anymore. Hashtag not my NXT, just like not my champion. Um, but. 2018 to early 2019 was one of the best promotions ever. Years of any promotion ever. It is what probably that and Omega Okada matches and Omega Jericho matches in New Japan were probably what made me like as into wrestling as I am. And it was so carefully planned. It was so well done. There were swerves where sometimes you something would happen and you wouldn't like it, but you would see why it was good long term. Like Andrade being Gargano. Already offers a pain being around chunks and you get the turns. It's like it was so masterfully done. And yeah. this new NXT is we're new find the titles for ratings to hurt AW. We're gonna put the titles on Keith Lee, because Vince likes him and thinks he's big. But then we really like Karrion Cross and he's won like four matches and we fed Chompa to him. Outside of that, he's just being jobbers. And now we're putting title on him. So Keith Lee got like a two week title reign. But now Keith Lee's going to go up to Raw because Vince likes him. He's big. But we're going to take away Keith Lee's charisma music and just put generic rock music in there. And we're feeding him to Randy Orton. That was so stupid. And it was so horrible because they had the, oh, Black Bask in his glory. For he and is limitless. It's like, oh. Dar, dar, dar. <laughs> no, it was it so was bad. Like, no, I'm, I'm, so I'm sitting downstairs playing Minecraft on my realm. And my dad comes down. He's like, Keith Lee got new music. It's terrible. And like, I like Keith Lee, but I'm not a huge fan. But that music was a bop. It's Keith Lee just rap out. Like, who is he? Who's that champ I see? Question they all know he has a Keith Lee. Keith Lee. It was so good. It was so good. And Vince ruined it. So Keith Lee's already done. And he. But, so, hold on. Let me pause. So there's a reason why. So uh, the people. So the, the, within the past like ten years, there's been two main people who would make uh, theme music. It was Jim Johnston and C. Fox. So Jim Johnston was gone. Jim Johnston left like three years ago, I think. And then last year, C. Fox made a deal with WWE, which was like atrocious, where all the music, all the entrance music, WWE music, whatever that they made, they got fifty percent of the royalties. So. They're trying to convince people who have CFOS music as their as their theme to switch to something that's WWE so that they don't have to share all the royalties. So I guess apparently Keith Lee was like, all right, sure, I'll get new music, and then it's just generic to superstar number three. Question. I have yeah. like I follow WWE on my Spotify account. 
I have a couple older songs add to playlists. How much money, in the grand scheme of things, does WWE really make on Spotify? I don't know because you don't. I I feel like I like Spotify is the what like the platform you make the least money off. Of it it is for I all right as a prospective musician working on an album with friends. I've researched this. You need like something like six thousand listens on a song for a dollar. Or something. So, WWE is maybe making a couple mil. That's nothing in the grand scheme of things. But killing Keith Lee with just generic rock music, that is going to cost you a million dollars long term. Because Keith Lee could be a huge superstar because he's big. But he just comes out and it's like, alright, it's another generic big guy of rock music. Not, here's this big guy with a ton of charisma rapping his own theme. And like, last person singing his own theme was like HBK, I think. So that's like a pretty big endorsement. Like, whoa, this guy's doing his own theme. Like, he's important. I guess our truth might have done his own, but we'll just ignore that. But anyway, I, I think it's, it's stupid and unnecessary being against a guy. But, um, so Karrion Cross wins the title, but he blows out his shoulder. So then we decide with one week of build. And what do I say? This match will be awesome. I mean, the finish is probably going to be wrong. The who gets pinned is probably going to be wrong. The number of pins is probably going to be wrong. The interference is probably going to be wrong. So I'm sure it'll be interference. But they have a Mount Rushmore of NXT for the title. Finn Bauer, Tommaso Ciampa, who, by the way, got squashed by the most recent champion. Came back, beat Jake Atlas, who's like barely above rank of jobber, even though he would be like a main eventer in AEW. Like, because he's friends with Jungle Boy and stuff. But like comes back, it's like, all right, title match. Gargano, who's like maybe won one or two more matches than he's lost this year on TV. Okay, he's in a title match. Bauer, who lost to a child predator, but beat Timothy Thatcher, who was booked well until he like tapped out to Dexter Loomis from the Creep Farm. Title shot. And Ciampa, who lost to the last champion, who got absolutely slaughtered by a champion who just relinquished it. Title shot. Why well, love all these guys? Well, they're probably the four the best. Only, the in- only one, the only one I can say probably, I think, I guess deserves in kayfabe, but deserves a title shot would be Adam Cole. Yeah, you could probably say that, and maybe Finn because he's coming off a win. I don't know, but it's like, all right. So you've always guys cool. It's a cool thing. You can set, you can set up a feud with these two guys, or you can say Bauer wins, Cole chases, or vice versa. Or the DIY guys form a tag team off of this and they're a heel tag team because Chomp is a heel again for some reason. It's like, but it's just a mess. It feels so rushed. Like, this should be a build over a couple months to a takeover. But it's just on TV because, well, we need ratings, pal. NXT, hot shots, everything. They had no contingency plan for if Karrion Cross got injured, which you should always have a secondary person that can take that title. But they didn't have a plan because they've just hotshot everything for ratings, built everything around one guy, and it's a mess. Because you have the Mount Rushmore of NXT here, and none of them are booked in a way where they are deserving of getting this title shot. It is so stupid, and I want to love this match. I'm sure I will love the in-ring. But the quality of the booking is a mess, and it's not my NXT. It's not what NXT was. It's not what NXT is meant to be, and it disgusts me because it's just trying to hurt AEW. And you know what? AEW is unopposed coming up on Wednesday this week. They're due over a million viewers. 
I'm all certain they are, because they're holding almost their exact same audience when they're put on different nights. Imagine them on their first night, unopposed by NXT. They're going to kill it in the ratings, and there's nothing Vince can do about it. I'm so happy, because he ruined NXT, which is what made me love wrestling. I am so pissed. And, and you know, with this Fatal 4 match, none of these guys can lose. Adam Cole, he can't lose. Because, you know, he just lost the title, and he's coming off a win from Pat McAfee. Sure, it's Pat McAfee, but whatever. Um, Gargano can't lose, because he's being built as a heel right now. Any more losses for him would be horrible for his, you know, building as a heel. You can't have uh, Finn Balor win. Because you're still trying to make like trying to make him seem legitimate for whenever they're doing the the Walter match, whenever that happens. So none of these guys could, and Ch- Tommaso Ciampa he just came back. Well, you know what you could do? You could have Finn Balor win and do another title unification between Finn Balor and Walter to strike another big rating. What if we did that for ratings? It's just, it's NXT so stupid. UK champion and the U- NXT championship combined. Because he's Irish, get it? He's not fully UK, but oh, maybe he's a little bit American, I don't know. Because Ireland makes beer, and people in America like beer. Get it, pal, get it, ah, ratings, ah. It's just, it's, it's disgusting. It's an Iron Man match, which is worse, because you know everyone's going to get pinned, except for maybe the guy who's winning, or maybe the guy who's winning to make it fair will get pinned like five times, but will pin every other guy. So, like, it's... it's I can't... I'm just... I'm so done with NXT. I'm not watching them anymore. I'm done with Raw and SmackDown. I'm not watching it. I'm just going to watch AEW. I will read the results on my phone on Figure 4, but I'm not... And I'll review this stuff. Like, if there's something that's really good or really bad, I will watch it. But I'm not going to devote the, what is it now, seven hours of my life every week to sitting down and watching their shows? I'm not. Yeah. WWE, like, Vince McMahon is just, he's not, he, he can't do this anymore. Yep. He, like, there's nothing... There's no really other way to put it. He just he he's not capable of running this business anymore. Yeah. Because he doesn't know what it's what's good for the business. He doesn't know he doesn't know what's best for business. Ah, ah, ah the authority pal get ah. <laughs> but like seriously, like he's running his business into the ground. I mean, he's a he's a like a billionaire, so I don't think he's gonna run himself out of business anytime soon. But he's gonna make his show irrelevant. I truly believe fifteen years from now, JV's TV ratings and TV deals will be so bad that Tony Khan could probably just buy him. And that's a horrible, sad thing to think. Because AEW should be struggling to even survive as a company right now. And WWE should be crushing them. And WWE should be making so much money, which they are. But long-term, this isn't good for them because the ratings are falling. So they're not going to be able to make as much TV money and all the money's in TV. So, WWE doesn't have a future. AEW's building this huge future. By the way, what happens when Randy Orton's 50? 
That's not too long from now. Who else do you have after Randy Orton? I mean, I guess you have Drew McIntyre, but Drew McIntyre's already like 38. So you get that much with him. He's not even a full star because we all know that Orton's just going to beat him at payback. Because, oh, we gave Drew the rub by laying him pin Orton with a backslide. So now he can he can eat a punt in RKO to do the job ski for Orton here to make Orton a big, big star of all his world titles. It's just, it's, it is disgusting. No, they're not doing, uh, they're not doing Orton McIntyre anymore. Oh, right, it's Keith Lee. Yeah. Still, we know Orton's going to eventually win that title. It's just, it's, it is disgusting to me. And this they is. Need, they need, the main shows especially, Raw and SmackDown, need to build new top stars. Yeah. Because they're just trying to cycle through these top stars. On SmackDown, it's really bad because they only they really only have two top stars. The Fiend and and, and Ron Strowman. And Roman Reigns is back in the picture, so he's gonna steal that title away. And then after that, you just have the Fiend, Braun Strowman and, and and Roman Reigns. Those are three top guys in SmackDown. Imagine having AJ Styles on your brand. And instead of making him a top guy, saying, oh, I know what we can do. We can have him lose to drunk Jeff Hardy for the Intercontinental title. Oh, my God. I, I forgot that even happened. By the way, <laughs> by the way, Daniel Bryan, I mean, he's staying home right now because he had a kid. And I think because he's a bit immunodeficient or whatever, if could, so good for him to stay safe. But Daniel Bryan's technically on SmackDown. And he's like having like this Zoom feud with AJ over like the IC title, which AJ doesn't have anymore. And also, you have AJ Styles and Daniel Bryan. And a few Vince years ago, even Vince got this right and made it the world title feud. But right now, you're making it like the intercontinental title feud. Really? Like, I get the title supposed to have prestige. Well, actually, if we're being honest right now. The, when AJ Styles, especially with the whole tournament and after AJ Styles won it, the Intercontinental Championship was seemingly more valuable than the Universal title. Oh, of course, yeah. Because it was all decent to great people in that tournament. You had two real top guys. And I mean real top guys. Like, Bray Wyatt's promos are fun and all, but The Fiend is not there as a character in ring. And Braun Strowman just sucks. I was going to say it. He had some good moments with the I'm not finished with you of Roman, but that's really just we loved it because it was someone beating up Roman, and we all had massive go-away heat for Roman at that time. So Braun Strowman sucks, big picture. The Fiend sucks, and Bray's, like, good promos can't carry it through. And you have Daniel Bryan, who this time, like, two, two three years ago, was world champion, his evil heel hippie environmentalist promos with the Vintner Rowan right by his side and just being the greatest and now he's cut all his hair he's like like alright I don't want to talk down because like Brian Danielson is better than Daniel Bryan he's also into short hair but like when I think WWE Daniel Bryan I want to think of like the big yes movement guy or like the sadistic environmentalist heel I don't want to think of like Brian Danielson, because you know who can never exist really in WWE, Brian Danielson. So when he cuts when he cuts his hair, it's like this watered down version of technical wrestler white meat babyface Brian Danielson, 
Because, like, you know you're not going to do the thing where he beats up refs and it's like, I have until five referee and stuff. Like, Vince won't do that. So we can't get proper heel Brian Danielson. We can't get proper face Brian Danielson because we don't trust him to wrestle. But we can't have hippie Daniel Bryan. But we can't also have yes movement Daniel Bryan. So he's just going to, like, cut random promos on AJ Styles even though AJ beat him clean already, I guess. And also, weren't they going to push Drew Gulak? What happened to that? I don't know. And then they spent all the money renegotiating this guy's contract so he won't go to, like, AW or New Japan. And they're like, yeah. all right, pal, we got you all this fresh big money, even though we fired a bunch of people in the pandemic. And then they just beat him. They didn't even give him an entrance in the match. They beat him. I know some of stuff happened, like, before our most recent episode. But it's just, I, I cannot with this company. They're horrible. They do not deserve my time. And I know I was like, all right, let's talk about wrestling. Let's talk about fun stuff. Because, like, all this police stuff, the BLM stuff, Trump versus Biden, like, all of it's very sad. There's no easy answer. There's no good answer. It's, like, very tough stuff where we're, I don't want to say lesser of evils because it's not like that necessarily. But all these things, it's like, well, there's this and there's this and there's this and there's this. It's like there's so many, like, little nuanced things. But wrestling is supposed to be, like, there's nuance in the booking. But overall, it shouldn't be nuanced that it's great and it's fun. And we had that for AW. We were like, pretty was awesome. Evil Uno has six lawnmowers. And Cody is like, it's just, he needs to turn heel. Because, like, as a babyface, he already feels like a heel. But then we just dissect Vince's booking. And it is the stupidest thing ever. Like, can you imagine going to someone that isn't a wrestling fan? And being like... And this is why the only people that watch the show anymore are 58-year-old guys reminiscing about Stone Cold Steve Austin and The Rock, watching it by themselves without anyone else. Can you imagine... All right, you have school, right? You're making new friends. And you're like, hey, I like watching wrestling. They're like, oh, really? You're like, yeah, there's a pay-per-view tonight. Let's come over. And imagine, like... So I have a couple of friends that aren't wrestling fans. Like, we'll watch, like, some New Japan matches. Like, Will Ospreay stuff. Like, real fun stuff. You have to be a wrestling fan to enjoy it. Because even, like, fancy stuff looks really cool. So I'll give them a brief explanation of what's going on, like who's the face, who's the heel, like their like their style, like this guy jumps and does flips, this guy does submissions. I'll explain like how it's working all stuff, but I'll explain how like sometimes they'll hate her for real, just to kind of play into it to add some suspense. So everyone's like, okay, not really my thing, but I can see why you like this. And oh, this guy's pretty cool. Phoenix can run across the ropes. Lost Braid does like the cool hidden blade stuff where it's a stiff kick, but he can also do like fancy spinning stuff. Everyone's like, cool, cool. And like, I've even watched some Dynamite with some friends before. And they're like, oh, this is cool how this is booked. And like, I really like that move. And this tag team is a cool look. And oh, this seems cool. So like, I can show people AW in New Japan. And they're like, I see why you like this. It's not for me, but this stuff is cool. If someone held a gun to my head, I'd be happy. Or not hold a gun to my head. I'd be happy from time to time to watch this guy. That's cool. If I were to do this with WWE, can you imagine the response I would get? Like, imagine me trying to defend and explain it. All right, so there's this guy. He has gloves that say hurt and heal. They tell him things. And he used to be a character where he was like this swamp mob boss. But then he lost some matches, so he disappeared for a while after cheating on his wife with one of the backstage interviewers. So he just kind of disappeared. They came back with this weird mask, but he also has, like, a Mr. Rogers kid show where he's himself, but he's not himself because he's not a weird swamp cult leader, but he is still Bray Wyatt. But then he puts on the mask, and 
Look, you know how like people pretend like they're getting hurt? He doesn't pretend like he's getting hurt when he's fighting people. And like he also has magic where he teleports in and out. And he ever kidnapped and drugged Alexa Bliss, who's this girl, or either we saw for a portal inside the head of Braun Strowman, who's just this big, dumb giant who had a knife, and instead of killing him with the knife and pinning him, cut open the canvas, then got thrown on the canvas and pinned. It's like, I'm just going down this rabbit hole because I can't imagine explaining it to someone. And they, uh, so new young people. I, I, oh, sorry, I have one last thing. Um, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. It's off topic. Continue. All right, no young people watch the show because one, it sucks, but two, you're not gonna create any new young audiences because if my dad didn't show me the show years ago before it was this bad, it was like actually looking like it's on the upslope, and there wasn't X. He was booked really well until this last year. I'd be like, Dad. And he was kind of afraid this could happen at first. He told me in retrospect, like, this sucks. I don't want to watch this with you. People are doing that right now to older people try to show them the show. For some people, it might even be grandpa. The average viewing age is so old on this. And then you're not creating any new friends. Like, AEW actually has some somewhat, like, casual fans I've heard. Like, through teens that, like, are really into it that show it to other kids. And, like, they'll watch from time to time. Like, oh, Kenny Omega's wrestling. Like, Kenny Omega. But... You're not creating anything from word of mouth. I'm not, like, I'll wear my AEW hat to school. Like, I don't know if I have any WWE merch that fits me because I haven't bought any in years. But it's like, I'm not going to get, like, a big shirt that says, like, I was there, Backlash, General Mahal won the WWE title. And be like, people are like, oh, you watch WWE? It's like, one, there's that bad stigma because wrestling is this bad stigma from the Attitude Era, even though, like, in the wrestling fans' mind, it was great. But, like, from a public view, is not great. But, like, there's this stigma already. And then me trying to defend it, like, what could I defend about WWE? So, they're not going to make any new fans from kids telling other kids about it. They're not going to make any new fans inside the family. Like, no guy's going to show his wife or girlfriend this. And they're not going to make any fans from people showing their kids this. So, how are they ever going to make any new fans? And, and going to what you said about merchandise, like, with the hat and stuff... I haven't, I bought, the last, uh, the only WWE merch I bought was NXT stuff. The last two pieces of merchandise I bought was a Finn Balor shirt back, like, 2015, I want to say, when he was still in NXT. And my most recent one was the uh, Undisputed Era shirt from last year. I haven't bought a Raw or SmackDown t-shirt since CM Punk. <laughs> I even bought one since the original Yes movement before Daniel Bryan was forced to retire. So that's not as old as CM Punk, but I, I got in a few years after you, but I think they're, they were doing their shirt deals, and I think this was original Yes movement right before Daniel Bryan retired the first, like, um like has false retirement thing. I got, like, one of those Yes movement shirts, and then I was at an XC house show, their first show they ever did in Chicago, like, in modern memory, like, 2016, 2017. Got a Bauer shirt. It was, like, the first one of, like, the Bauer Club shirts when they were first kind of doing that. Then my dad, in, like, Christmas of 2018, got me, like, Chompa and Alistair Black shirts. That's the stuff I ever bought from them. Meanwhile, I have a Chicago Wheat shirt and AW, like, All Wheat Wrestling Chicago hat. So I wear the hat all the time. 
And one time I was on the blue line coming home from school. I think I can say that. I don't think people can trace that much if we ever get famous. But um, And there's this guy who's like, oh, cool. And he's wearing a little bit of the bubbly shirt. And this is like right after All Out. So we're talking about All Out. And I'm like, oh, it's cool. You're able to get one of those. So it's just this random guy I don't even know. But he's super nice. We're clearly both huge AEW marks. And he sees me and he's like, oh, another person likes AEW. That's cool. So I got my stops there. I'm like, nice talking to you. And he's like, nice talking to you. So AEW fans are proud. We're proud of the product we watch. And we see someone I else. We- I don't remember the last time I saw an adult person with a modern WWE wrestler t-shirt. I saw the one. Last time, the last time I saw someone with WWE main roster merchandise was a child wearing a Rusev t-shirt. At our elementary school that we went to, like a day or two after Mania when Becky won both bike titles, I saw someone wearing the man shirt, but I don't even know if they knew it was wrestling, because that shirt might just be you thinking that you're saying you're the man, because the, the, the entire shirt is just the man on it, but I don't yeah. know. But yeah, so the idea that like, as an EW, like, I'm not saying there are no people that wear WWE merch, because they could make a ton in merch money, but I feel like you buy your WWE merch to go to the show. I feel like AEW people buy their merch and like they wear it to shows, but they also just wear it in public because they're like, yeah, I love AEW. If there's this little bit of recognition, someone thinks it's cool, looks it up, or asks what's about, or just like, oh, I'm wearing this, someone else is wearing AEW merch, maybe we can have a nice conversation, just chat because hey, we're both united in our love for this thing. I don't, I, I feel like WWE fans are all like closeted WWE fans, and no one's gonna be like, "Yeah, I'm into WWE." Oh, nice Roman Reigns shirt, bro. Oh, do you want do you want to chat about how much we love Vince's booking? Like we like, I was just talking to this guy randomly about like the booking of AEW and how great it is, and like how fun all out was. It's like I don't see anyone going up like, "Oh, I can't wait for payback, pal." Are you excited for that big Keith Lee debut? Like, who is going up to people and saying that? No one. No one. I think the last time my Finn Balor shirt, I wore my Finn Balor shirt. But there was a time where I was like, "Oh, I don't know if I want to wear that in public," because I'm, I'm less embarrassed to wear my SCU shirt outside than I am to wear my Finn Balor shirt. Yeah, and the SCU shoot, SCU. By the way, Finn Balor shirts are generally pretty chilled. Or ever cool art of him as a demon, or do I say Bauer Club? And people think it's like some just random like clothing item thing. Where SGU shirts, like, that's going to draw a lot of eyes if you don't know what it is. It's these big SGU letters. It's, like, they generally have, like, big SoCal signs. Like, this is the worst I've ever been in on the back. Like, that's going to draw some eyes. But you're less embarrassed to wear that because if someone asks you a question about it, you can logically explain what it is. And we'll be like, oh, okay. No, my, my shirt's even better. It says... On the front, in big letters, this is the worst town I've ever been in, and it has a picture of, like, the Chicago flag on it. Oh, you have the one. People are going to be like, what is all that about? And I can explain (laughs) it to them. You can be like, no, it's the gimmick of these heel pro wrestlers that do it to get heat. But it's like, all right, let's let's talk about the New Day shirts. Because those are pretty out there. I know they sell really well, but those are pretty out there to wear in public. And I don't know if I ever see them in public, but wrestling events I see a ton. If you're wearing a New Day shirt... Them on the box of bootios. So it comes up to you. How are you going to explain? Yeah. So there's these guys. They're pro wrestlers in this fake sport that they pretend is a sport for entertainment, but like there's still athletics involved in it. So like you explain the basic thing just like to refresh people on pro wrestling. But you're like, these guys want you to believe 
that they're such stone-cold killers. They're like, they're real fighters. They can go with Conor McGregor and all those real guys. That they had their own fake cereal made all about gyrating. <laughs> it makes no whenever, sense. Whenever they have championships, they, they thrust their hips to, to show you their goal. And then, and then the big guy has pancakes in his crotch. And he pulls them out and throws them at fans back when there were fans. And the fans happily eat them or keep them as souvenirs. It is disgusting. I'm 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 just so alright, do we do we wanna go on longer about this? It's just they're so bad and stupid. Well I wanted to talk about I have the list of all the current champions right now. Oh my god. Speaking. <laughs> So, Angelo Dawkins and Montez Ford, Raw Tag Champions. I mean, the Fine. tag division of WWE is just horrible. It is atrocious. No, here's the issue. Um, it should be, like, awesome. Like, not as good as AEW's, but it should be pretty good. But they've booked everyone so badly that even good tag teams come off as bad tag teams. My, my dad brought this up to me last week. What, what tag teams are on Raw? The Street Profits, Andrade and Garza, and the Viking Raiders. That's Andrade, literally it. Andrade, That's all there is. Andrade and Garza should be singles wrestlers, by the way. Yeah, and yeah, and they're probably breaking up soon. So that would just leave the Street Profits and the Viking Raiders, and they're friends right now. I mean, they had so, a... I, all right, to give them the benefit of the doubt, though, they should have even more backups in this. And this doesn't last too long. They did have AOP before one of them got injured. But still, it's not... It's not good. That's when you have to start... Because there's... What other tag teams could there be? Like, okay, you could even have, like, unused talent that could be being used and just make them tag team. We did that for... Cedric Alexander and Ricochet... They're technically a tag team. Yeah, they. When was the last time they wrestled? They like lost some number one contender thing, but like they, they got like one six man win with Mustafa Ali, I think. Then Mustafa Ali got like beaten by Bobby Lashley in like thirty seconds. So it's like okay, that was a fluke because Mustafa sucks, and Ricochet and Cedric have won a match outside of that. So it's not like Mustafa carried them or anything, or they carried Mustafa. So it's just a complete fluke. And by the way, it's like these guys aren't all super young, but. If you want to talk about younger guys, you have a minority cop, which is kind of a very unifying thing in this time, you know, like in Mustafa Ali, and he's pretty young, he's a super likable dude if you listen to him on podcasts and stuff, and it's like, okay, Bobby Lashley is going to beat him with the full Nelson in 30 seconds. Cool. Like, they should have... Apollo lose to Lashley. And Ali can go after the title as a face. Or, just say, Apollo, you have no character right now. You're just a good worker. Turn heel. Yeah. Just have him turn heel. Because you direct the Thunderdome fans. Have the Thunderdome fans get, like, Roman Reigns heat on Apollo. And then just do, like, the Apollo thing that Kurt Angle did, just, like, except it'll be scripted this time. 
Just like cut a promo turning heel. And I'll be like, no, I'm a baby face. And just let Ollie win a match. And like, you're off to the races. Because you have Apollo who's been winning matches. You have Ollie who won a match, which is like everything for a baby face in WWE. It's like you're a top guy if you're a baby face and win a match. So go. Like, okay. I don't know. Um, Next champion. All right. We're going to stick with tag teams here. SmackDown tag champions. Cesaro and Shinsuke Nakamura. I don't care. They won it in a tables match. Tables matches? All right. I will say it's for AW2. I'm glad Sammy beat Matt in the main event. I hope that they add that to All Out or do another match on Dynamite where Sammy can pin him. Because, one, there was a Battle Time commercial break in that match that made most of it commercial or at least a lot of it feel that way, even though the work was good. And tables matches are stupid because all you have to do is put the guy for a table. It doesn't feel like a real win. So those guys won the titles in a tables match, so they don't feel like real champions. Um, like, Cesaro? Like, what is wrong with having Cesaro be on his own? What is wrong with Shinsuke Nakamura not beating AJ for the, for the championship all those WrestleManias exactly. ago? Like, Shinsuke Nakamura had an, had an amazing run in WWE. Then that was completely ruined by his very poorly booked feud with AJ, which could have which could have been great, but it wasn't. He was a guy that came up from XT, and it's like he's actually going decent. Like, I think he might have lost once or twice, like General Hall or something, like everyone's losing at that time. Like he'd be in Dolph Ziggler. Like he'd gone in through the door. He was like not what he should have been, but he was doing stuff. And it's like, all right, it's time. We have AJ's champion. We have Nakamura's champion. It's like, this is like, it's going to be a baby face match. That's okay. The Mak- Nakamura loses and turns heel. But it's like, okay, they have Nakamura as a heel. That's the edge he needs. He's going to take the title now. It's like a role reversal from New Japan. Then he just loses again. And like, all right, in all honesty, it branched out the best thing in WWE for the last couple of years. Heel, hippie, Daniel Bryan. But you couldn't have just had Nakamura win the titles of face and then have Daniel Bryan win the title from Nakamura. It's like the fact that Nakamura, you have Shinsuke Nakamura and he's never been your world champion. What are you doing? Because Nakamura, he's way too good to be a tag team champion. I thought you were saying he was, well, actually, first off, I thought you were saying he's way too Japanese for Vince. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I, I mean, that too. Probably. <laughs> and two, he's way too good to be a tag team champion in WWE. Yes. In AEW, if he was a tag team champion, I'd be like, these tag title belts might be underserved because these tag titles are treated by, like, Kenny Omega and Hangman Page, who are like, Shinsuke is probably better in-ring than Page. I think Page has better character work by a lot. And Kenny is better than Shinsuke in-ring by a decent margin just because Kenny's, like, Shinsuke is like SS tier. Kenny's like SSS tier, basically. If that'd be like the best way to describe it. So, like, it's not that he's too good to be a tag team champion. It's that he's too good to be a WWE tag team champion. Right. And Cesaro, Cesaro is severely, severely underused and underrated. He is probably one of the best workers on SmackDown. And. It feels like every time he had his independent thing in the beginning of his main roster career. Okay, fine. And then he had his team with Jack Swagger. 
and then Jack Swagger was done, and then it was the bar. The bar was good. The the bar for the first bit was good. I'll stand by the bar for their best of seven series and for the yes. first year or two they had. And they were good up until like they broke one of the Hardy's teeth. Or whatever Cesaro lost his teeth or whatever. Like but um after that they fell off a cliff. But the original thing where they beat up all those fat guys in the bar, that was good. So I will give them Zara has had like that one bright spot of his tag team career. Right. And then after the bar broke up he had, like, a single thing for a while, but he wasn't really on TV a lot. And then now he's with Nakamura, I guess technically still with Sami Zayn, too. But it's like, what's wrong with having him go on a at least decent singles run? Has he ever held a single style with something like IC champion or something? He was U.S. champion at the very beginning of his career. Oh, so that's like, wait, when you called up top guys from NXT, they got to, like, win titles and win matches? I guess so. Because wait, that, wait, winning. pause. That, I wasn't watching this one, That happened? Like, you would call up someone from NXT, and they would, like, win? I mean, I don't, I actually don't remember if Cesar was in NXT first. I think he was. He was, yes, yeah. Because he, he and Sami Zayn feuded. Yeah. But, I mean, he's he's not super far away, especially right now. He's not super far away from Vince material. He's pretty tall. He's pretty jacked. He's pretty big. He has lots of power moves. He's foreign. So even though he speaks perfect English, you never get to talk for him because he's foreign, which plays into, he like, the old like Vince. He speaks languages, doesn't he? No, he speaks great, but he's foreign, so you can do the whole, like, 1980s Vince thing where the foreign guy always has to manager. Cesaro is, like, he desperately, him and Nakamura, here's what I think. I think him and Nakamura, once they lose the titles, I think they should feud. That could be interesting. Yeah, I'd have them turn on each other. And I honestly think Cesaro should win that feud. Yeah, because Nakamura's older. Yeah. So I wouldn't say he's on his way out, but, like, oh. Um, who's next? Next champion, uh, Apollo Cruz. We already kind of talked about Apollo Cruz. Yeah, it's. I mean, I'm glad the guy's finally getting a shot, but he was a driver for so long that nobody cares. And is he have a character? Uh, it's just like he's Apollo Cruz, right? Yeah, he's just Apollo Cruz. Cool. Um, we got Jeff Hardy, Intercontinental Champion. I mean. I still don't believe that the guy is actually straight edge. I'm sorry to say that. I'm happy for him if he actually is. But it's, there's been so many times, like, comes back from rehab, he's straight edge now, and he's not. That we're just, I don't trust him anymore that he's straight edge. So I just think it's a bad investment. Especially, especially when we know they're not good at having extra guys in line. Like, this Karrion Cross thing proved it. Like, Karrion Cross out. They have no one who's really set up to be like, this guy could believably be champion. So if Jeff Hardy goes and drinks and drives again, like... Who do you have to be that champion? I'm really hoping that Jeff Hardy is a transitional champion. Oh, like because what they did with Keith Lee and everything that was wrong about it, they should do with Jeff Hardy and everything would be right about it. Yeah. Like, I'm hoping Jeff Hardy is a trans- transitional champion for, say, like, Matt Riddle. 
Because it's that Matt Riddle has to lose to Baron Corbin. You're forgetting about that. Oh, right. Because that's... Oh, he was eliminated from the Royal Rumble by King Corbin. Now and he was pinned in Survivor Series, pal. We got paid off with Corbin beam again for more heat. Ah! I just like, but I I do I do hope that Jeff Hardy is just a transitional champion for younger talent because Jeff Hardy can't do what he used to, and I don't think he's a good worker anymore. Like he can still go, he can still take some good bumps, he can still have some good spots, but just overall as a wrestler, he's just not really that good. Anymore. Yeah, the difference is Matt Hardy found a way to evolve his style, keep some of his iconic stuff would generally be a lot safer and just work more just like standard, good, great worker and put everything he had into character work, becoming a good promo, creating new characters, becoming a good storytelling wrestler, kind of more like a next-gen Dustin Rhodes just with a bit more fancy stuff. The Dustin's add some fancy stuff to his lineup, even though I don't know if he needs it because just if he was going to be Dustin, his storytelling in a power slam, like that's all I need out of his matches. But... Sorry, I'm going down a rabbit hole a bit, but it's like, Jeff hasn't really evolved anything. It's just like, he's a broken down version of the guy that did all those TLC matches. So now he either doesn't do stuff he did in those TLC matches, or if he does it, he does it not as well. And that leaves you with like, a mediocre, like if you're doing like, generic worker, he's like, very mediocre at that. And that's all he's basically yeah. doing now. Um, okay, I guess we can go to the next champion. We got Asuka. Asuka's pretty fresh as a champion. Asuka's I mean, pretty cool. On Raw, on Raw right now, I think having her as a champion, I guess, is the best option. The whole yeah. thing, Shayna Baszler, Nia Jax thing, it's just, what are they doing? I, I don't know. Um, I don't even want to go down that rabbit hole because we're going to spend like three hours ranting about WWE, I feel. But, um, all I'm going to say about Shayna, Nia, um, I think they should lose because of a screwy finish. That'll, that'll, I think should be, they almost win because Sasha or Bailey messes up, but they still don't. So okay. it keeps tension between Sasha and Bailey, and it also creates more tension between Shayna and Nia. Nia and Shayna could have, I don't know, a little scrap on Raw, and then Shayna just takes the title. And all right. So. That's really great, except for here's what's going to happen. First off, I like Asuka. I don't know why Sasha had to beat her for a while, but Sasha and Bailey are great, so it's fine. They're one of the few, I wonder if they have creative control or something, because they're one of the few acts that's actually done a pretty good job recently. Um, so here's what's actually going to happen. I like what you're saying, but they're probably just going to have Shayna and Nia win the tag titles, then Nia will turn on Shayna, and then Nia will beat Shayna Queen. Then they will relinquish the titles. And then Nia will go on and beat Asuka. Even though they should just fire Nia, given she's an unsafe worker who's injured every woman she's worked with. Apparently, apparently injuring Kyrie was a work. Oh, that, that, that's fun. Well, remember, Nia wasn't the one that killed Kyrie. The people that killed Kyrie and ended her career were was Bailey stomping on her back. You know what's going to be really fun? When Kyrie Sane starts wrestling for stardom and wins one of their belts, and how Davies has to act like her career has still been ended. Yeah. Um, Bailey 
into the Bailey Sasha stuff. It's it's fine. They, I mean, it's taken way too long to get here, but now that we're here, it's pretty good. Yeah. Um. Drew McIntyre. I mean, again, we're, we talked about this a little bit earlier. It's not going to be satisfying as an ending, but it's good right now. I think Orton's going to end up taking the title off of McIntyre. Uh, at the next not payback, but the pay per view after that, whatever that is. Um, and they'll have you know the title be tossed around by whoever, and I don't think they're going to give McIntyre the title back until there's fans. Yeah, I don't know. I would just keep it on him till fans have him lose it the first show there's fans back, kind of like they're doing with the, like the hopefully do with the Smoxley MGF thing, like. It's like, all right, I saw Moxley win the title live in person. Now I'm going to see other people watch him lose the title. So it's like, even though most of his runners in the pandemic, you get that little thing. But I think for um, I think for Drew, he, like, Drew should probably get it back after doing that. But I don't think Drew's even going to get it back. So I don't know. We'll see. By the way, quick side note. How pissed do you think Vince is that AEW's gotten real fans before him? Why can't Vince realize that he can just run outside and then, like, instead of setting up TVs all over the arena, he can just, like, fence off every couple seats? Yeah. Like, where are we totally kind of, Like, no one's going to get COVID at these AEW shows because everyone's wearing masks. It's outside, which is, like, a billion times better. I mean, most of the shows, it's dark. Even the beginning, I guess there's a bit of sunlight, which is supposed to help. And then, like, they're in pods of two... Three, four, five, and six, I think. It's at 10% capacity. So, like, everyone around you in, like, a several chair radius, like, there's no one by you. So, it's like, this is completely safe. We should have been doing this from the beginning, but I guess we didn't know enough, you could say. But it's Plus like. The Amway, the Amway Center that, that WWE is hosting their stuff at now is bigger than. It's huge. It's bigger than, uh, what's it called, in Jacksonville. MGM Grand, yeah. So ideally, they'll actually have more fans, so it'll create more, like a better atmosphere. Yeah. So if Vince uses his old brain, he can use, he can bring the fans back. Well, I think Vince, two things about Vince. I think them not having fans is a good way for him to claim about the ratings are falling to investors. I think that's a good excuse for him. And two, I think Vince secretly loves having fans that he can control. Yeah, definitely. Imagine if the original Rowan Reigns push was a building packed by the body of people that Vince had paid to cheer for Rowan Reigns. Like, we would just know to love Rowan Reigns. Yeah. So, I don't um, know. It's like, everyone's always calling Trump the fascist, but I think we got our real fascist in Vince McMahon right here. Um... And then we got The Fiend. I mean, there's a triple threat match. Uh, Reigns, Strowman, Fiend. Strowman's there to get pinned. Yeah. Maybe Strowman, like, maybe Reigns is killing Strowman, then The Fiend kills Strowman, and, like, throws Reigns out of the ring. Like, you could do some sort of screw job finish, but, I mean, you know. I think the end of payback is going to be. Roman spears Braun. He wins. 
reveals himself as the leader of retribution and then they just tear apart everyone. All right, that'd be cool, except I just realized something. So if the direction is like Roman versus the Fiend, if Roman's the leader of retribution, like, what's the point of coming back with this cult? Like, his big, like, scary people that burn stuff, that's not going to help him kill an unkillable monster. Should he have gone, like, the Infinity Gauntlet or something while he was gone? No, I'm, ser- I'm serious. Like, how is, like, a group of anarchists, <laughs> like, Filthy Tom Mars has been calling them, like, non-political Antifa members, <laughs> retribution, like, how are you going to get these guys to help you kill this, like, ogre, as Michael Cole calls him, this ogre, the fiend? I don't know. It's it's stupid. Um, and then, I don't know if we want to get into NXT champions. Damien Priest, that's fine, I guess. Damien Priest sucks, Priest, by the way. What was that? Cameron Grimes should won that title. Damian Priest, he's mediocre in the ring. He's like 39. He's way older than people think he is. And his promo's stupid. And he stole Jericho's gimmick of getting in the hot tub and lover pants with a drink. But then they added that like he has some woman now to make it original. It's like, uh... Um, Brizongo won the titles off of Imperium. Poor Imperium. Week. I forgot they were champions. Then my dad was like, oh yeah, Brizongo won the tag titles. It's like, what? Um, I, I guess it's okay. I, I, I would like to see more Brizongo. I love, I love Tower Breeze, but also, like, the fact that that's the first title he's won WWE, I think, is a no, bit concerning. NXT title, no, he never had an NXT title. He didn't? Oh. They had to push the drunk uses. No, I think they won it when they were feuding with, uh, uh, what are they called? The Ascension? Oh, they might have. I don't know. I don't even remember. <laughs> um, but also, side note, technically Tyler Breeze is still under 205 Live, which I think is a little strange, but whatever. Well, they just put everyone... Like who's two oh five and below on two oh five live. That's nothing new, I would say. Um and then we got Eo Shirai. I mean That's fine. good. I stand by I, that. I, I think she needs to be moved up. I mean, I would say that like five, ten years ago, but knowing Vince's track record we've moved up people, especially foreign ones. Just keep her in XT even if she's just beating everyone. Because I mean, like, uh, like, what's Vince she, gonna do to her on the main beat roster? Sasha, she beat Sasha clean at Great American Bash, so I think she should lose the NXT title to either Rhea or Dakota. If she was gonna lose it, she should have lost it to Dakota on this most recent pay per view. But they've already killed Rhea dead because she got killed by Raquel, and Raquel's horrible. So it's like, we had Rhea, who was supposed to get her payoff and revenge on Charlotte, but instead, Io just pinned Rhea, so Charlotte never got pinned after losing the title. And it's just, I don't know. Oh, by the way, speaking of Charlotte, I want to talk about... So she's out, because, like, there's still an issue with, like, her breast implant or whatever. But there's, like, this whole gimmick, right? That they have, like, these new bougie ice cream bars, and the people in them are, like, Becky Lynch, Charlotte, Roman Reigns, the Macho Man, and Steve Austin. 
One person on this list is dead. One is two are away from the company for injury slash COVID. One is away from the company because she is pregnant. Two of the people on this thing are retired. It's like they are living completely in the past, and even their new stars, or stars that they put on our throats, are out with injuries or being pregnant or whatever. It's like they have done nothing to build new stars. Well, I doubt they're going to make an Alistair Black ice cream bar. Ah, oh, darn, 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 darn. Why is this theme so metal, pal? By the way, Alistair Black just randomly turning heel after getting his eye poked out, but not really eye poked out. But, like, why did we poke out Alistair Black's eye? Because we were just poking out Ray's eye, but we poked out Alistair Black's eye because, yeah. But now he's a heel, and Kevin Owens is a baby face, which I still don't understand. But, like, Kevin Owens is a face because he fought Shane, but Shane is back now. But Shane is, like, not a heel or face. Shane just gets all red like he did in matches, but on Raw Underground, which is, like, what Vince thinks UFC is. But it's not. But we're supposed to believe that's real, even though Raw it comes off as even more Raw fake. It, like, Raw Underground is pre-taped, and they cut down a lot of the footage. They cut down stuff that doesn't have the 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 main stars on it. It's so camera cutty. It is. Like it's like it's Ke- if Kevin Dunn did UFC. Because like what's next? I don't watch a ton of UFC. But like what's nice about UFC from what I've seen is like it's nice long shots and you're swapping angles like every couple blows, so you're kind of able to like see from a certain angle like how everyone has leverage and stuff. And it feels really real when you're doing a cam- <laughs> actually. So remember the Dark Order back when everyone hated them. And, like, how the one yeah. creeper was doing horrible punches on Dustin. And, like, they're yeah. they're missing. Braun's punches on The Fiend in that match were even worse. He was just slapping the mat with his hand so far to the side. Did you see it? Yeah, I saw it. It was horrible. It was, honestly, if I'm a little kid and I'm watching that, I'm like, Daddy, is wrestling fake? Like, how are you going to kayfabe anyone with those punches? Um, and then I guess the last one we got here is the, uh, women's tag championships. I think, I think personally they should include NXT into this, because if they're doing Raw and SmackDown, I think they should just throw in NXT. They have, didn't, um, Dusty Blackheart and Tegan Knox or Tegan Dakota or something? No, uh, Tegan Knox and Shanti Blackheart were put into the battle royal for the women's title. No, I know, but didn't he get a shot with the ones to go on XTTV slash when Bailey came down? Or no, the Iconics came down, right? Yes, but I think that was just like promoting Great American Bash. No, this is way pre Great American Bash. I think no, I think they did it months months ago just to try to hype it next to you. See, they've done well, this, but recently if that's the case if that's the case, I think that's actually a good idea because if you open up if you open up NXT, that can use a little bit more of their women and it'll promote NXT on the bigger shows and it can cement them it can like e- cement the, the brand even more as like a legitimate thing if you have NXT people as women's champions and you know a real issue of this too like we're not even sure if it's open to NXT like, I think it is but we should be able to know for a fact because we should openly have push to us. Like, listen, these tag titles, the Raw, SmackDown, and NXT, anyone could win these titles. We could, should be like, oh, Candice Murray 
and Raquel Gonzalez could team up and win these tag titles real quick. We should be able to believe that anyone can do it. And we know that they're just a set piece for Sasha and Bayley's impending solo feud right now. It's like, ugh, I just, uh... Any bad news we have to talk about? Um, I mean, to end it with the Raw women's title, or the SmackDown women's... The tag women... Jesus Christ, what am I saying? It's... Um, but yeah, I think we could just end it with the women's tag titles for now, because this is already, this is already, how long is this? We I might have to split know. this into two parts. I have to bet. I can do it's an hour, we've been, we've been on call for an hour and 45 minutes. Dude, this is like, like going to rival the length of our first ever episode. Yeah. Because we've been gone for a while. We think we'll be back weekly. Um, I don't know why I'm talking like people listen to this. But um, anyway, this is this was fun. I think we spent more time ranting about how bad WWE is than talking about all of the big political news that happened over the last month. And talking about how great AEW is. But I mean, it's fun tearing down WWE just because they deserve it. So we can do like. We could post for today, Friday, like as like a bonus episode, like the politics stuff, and then the WWE stuff can just be its own episode. Oh, wait, do you want me to trim this and just keep it like parts? Yeah, and then you can record like a separate part where it's like, hey, we recorded a really long episode, so we just let it into two. Parts. I have a better idea. This is a really long episode because all of our loyal, loyal, loyal listeners that don't actually exist, they we let them down these last couple weeks. They deserve this long episode, but in the future, if we can make schedules line up, the Josh and Ethan show can become one politic episode, one wrestling episode, based off of what you need to listen to. And I will divvy them up into season one will be all wrestling, and season two will be all politics. All right, anything else we have? Um, not that I could think of. Also, wait, I just thought of something. I might have enough money now. To pull Virgil onto the show if he's still down. Damn, I'm actually, I can pitch in a bit for that too. I actually have a bit. Of, I've been doing a few different jobs. Because I have like two hundred and fifty bucks. I can probably throw in like twenty. It depends on when we want to do it. I could probably throw in like twenty right now, maybe forty or fifty in upcoming time. But we're gonna look into having Virgil on the show because we Virgil show which is more than enough because we want to help fund the gospel to meet sauce so Most recent one. His dad, his dad created like this automatic like 
butt wiper for like the toilet. It's felt. It's. No, like it's literally you turn it on and it rotates and it's supposed to like clean your butt. <laughs> and second thing, second thing, I guess we could talk about this a little more like next week. But Fall Guys, that's a big one right now. So that's Have the free game that I own a license for for like a year on my PlayStation from PlayStation Plus. So my PlayStation got fried in the power outages, but I'm gonna look into playing that. So I'll look a bit into that. Into um. Alright, we're at a minute minute forty nine on the call. It's probably a little less for the actual episode, but we're gonna have to end it. Alright, um thank you everyone for listening. Um hopefully one day people go back and be like Joshua will win his Olympic medal for weightlifting and I'll do the same as he did with him. And people will be like If you see if you see my Instagram for the for like the, the one listener, uh, you'll see that I did a ninety three kilogram clean and jerk last week, which was pretty cool. That's pretty much it. But um, um yeah. so hopefully like we'll be famous and then people will listen to the podcast like in the future and be like, Whoa, by the way, it's like not really late, like it's kinda late and I've had a long day. So I might like be a bit like sleepy drugged out. But um so it's like people will listen to this and be like in the future, we'll have, like, famous guests on outside just the movie Cross World Virtual, who is Alexis Lewis Cousins, and it'll be like, whoa. These famous guys have a podcast with famous people, and they'll be like, I wonder what they did back before they were famous, and then they'll go on, and we'll get canceled for saying that not all police are bad, and then we'll lose our careers, and yeah. Does that sound fun? Yeah, that sounds really fun. I'm really down for that. Alright, Vince, go retire, or I'm gonna come assassinate you. I'm not actually going to, but, like, segments i think that'll really spice things up we could try to figure that out we but um do, yeah we can do like a brainstorming session sometime yeah um but other than that yeah that's pretty much it and joshua your future is back it's better than ever things are doing pretty well for covid here in illinois in the u.s hopefully i can kind of turn part of the music recording space here into a full-on podcast studio not just my video get on youtube so great things to come from the josh and ethan show i will reintegrate after ranting about wwe for an hour straight this is yet to come oh, by right away um one last thing did you see donald trump jr like in his cocaine eyes on the- <laughs> i generally liked all right i only watched the first night of the rnc and i watched like snippets of the dnc like clips
But anyway, that's a good meme, people. If you're on Twitter, look up, like, the Delta Junior Trooper. They're nice. It's, um, it's pretty good. All right, anything else? I think that's pretty much it. All right, thank you for listening. We are 140.